Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 193, Episode 5 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Friday, July 16th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. It's a party, and I see Harry Styles there. Fucking Harry Styles, man. Hey, where did my wife go? She'd leave you too if he happened to you. Uh, that is courtesy of Johnny Davis, uh, Barbara Gaskin, Dave Stewart. It's my party, and Harry Styles. Just being, just being Harry Styles. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Miles Gray, aka Grays of Our Lives, aka All My Children, aka As the Cush Burns, aka The Bong and the Keefless. Shout out to Sir Brentsworth and Ginger Chocobo on Twitter for those wonderful soap opera themed AKs. I'm not gonna lie, I used to watch Y and R a lot. Um, I had an ex who was all like religiously watched it, and I got into The Young and the Restless for a brief moment of time, but not anymore. Yeah, yeah, classic stuff classic stuff there uh, you watch soap operas ever <laughs> oh man big time real into them big. <laughs> love general hospital love, oh, it, love, yeah. it, love it jen haas well miles we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a brilliant and talented writer and reporter uh who's currently exposing the shockingly blatant and out in the open gangs of the la sheriff's department for knock la her in-depth 15-part report, A Tradition of Violence, is basically mandatory reading for anyone who like cares about justice and civics and sociology in America or anywhere, really. Uh, welcome back to the show, Cerise Castle! Hey. What's up? Hey, thanks Hi, for having Reese. me back. Hey, thanks, thanks for coming for back. back. Oh, so How are things? What's new? What's what's uh, how's how's the weather? How you what's what, what's a good question to ask people these days? That isn't how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the weather's hot. The sheriffs Great. are busy abusing people and mm. I am busy on their tails. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So, so things are things are moving as they should be at the moment. Sounds like pretty much. Yeah. 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 We'll definitely ask you a little bit more about what's going on since the piece that you dropped with Knock LA came out. Because I, from my standpoint, I feel like it's a lot has been happening mm -hmm. um, ever since, with especially with like the increased awareness around the gangs in the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. And I love that hashtag too, uh, or whenever people are saying Google LASD gangs. That's mm -hmm. just a, a thing we want to say to everybody who listens to the show. Google that LASD gangs when yeah. you have a second, which should be right now. Yeah. Go read the piece. Go read the piece. All right. Well, uh, Cerise, we're going to get to know you a little bit better, catch up on all that in a little bit. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. In addition to the LASD gangs, we're going to talk about the revelation from the Pentagon that some of the Haitian president's assassins were trained by U.S. military. They said a small number of the assassins, wow. which was still... Probably too many. So we're going to talk about that and talk about just the general atmosphere of mercenaries, like a world run by mercenaries that we're kind of looking looking at in the future. We'll talk about drones for the home, another mm -hmm. way that you can 
buy your way into like military supremacy. <laughs> uh, yeah, turn yeah. your own home. Hey, do you, did you want to crowdfund the surveillance? Do you want to be a warlord in your house? Hell yeah. And we'll talk about Heinz trying to even things up to bring some some sanity to this world by making it so that hot dog buns and hot dogs come in the same number container or packaging. Oh, wow. I never, okay. That's always something I think about. There's a few places that the number of buns matches the number of francs that you get. And when they do, right. it's always eight francs to match the eight buns. It's never 10 buns to match the 10 hot dogs. They're right. Because then I guess they're forcing you to buy a f- five packs at eight to get to 40. Right. And then you have a number divisible by 10 and then you see and that's how they get you. Okay, That's how they get you. you know, see the matrix already. All of that, plenty more. But first, Cerise, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? The last thing that I searched for was L.A. County election filing. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. L.A. County election filing. What is this uh, in relation to specifically? What uh, what races? Well, we do have the race for sheriff coming up in June of 2022. We just had a candidate announced last week by the name of Cecil Rambo. Uh, Mr. Rambo is alleged to be an associate of at least three different deputy gangs. So I was checking in to see what other Gang affiliates have thrown their hat into the race. <laughs> right. Is it just Alex Villanueva? Is it this Cecil Rambo? Not just a clever name, I guess. Uh, <laughs> God given name. Yeah. Is that really so- his name? That is his yeah. name. Wow. Hell yeah. Is Villanueva up? Like, is he not running? He is running. Yes. Oh, okay. He's running for re election. So Cecil Rambo is like, that dude's too left wing. Let me get out here and uh, really rep the gangs. Cecil Rambo, actually, in his announcement video, he said that he is one of the only people that has stood up to deputy gangs, which is a common refrain of people that are actually alleged to be a part of the gangs themselves. <laughs> How do they square that when they're like, when you're like, um, it looks like there's documentation to indicate you're involved in a gang, but you stood up to be like the one day you're like, hey, let's not do too much gang stuff today. See, I stood up to them. <laughs> Like, I don't what 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 is, what is sort of the logic that they apply to be able to sort of say something like that a lot or it's just merely an empty talking point? Um, It's something that I want to dive more into. I'm planning to speak with Cecil in the coming days. So I'm really interested to see, you know, how he sort of squares the allegations that have flown around him for the past 10 plus years, as well as various lawsuits that have been filed um, with him being named as an associate. It's a question that I have and I'm looking for the answer to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good I wish you luck in trying to get a a clear answer from someone who can only imagine be very evasive (laughs) when asking answering a direct question like that. Um, Are there any are there any like reform candidates at all possibly running? I mean, how do you run for sheriff and even make it far enough when your, your your platform's like, yeah, I'm trying to actually make this better and not as oppressive as possible. To my knowledge, at least five of the candidates are from within the sheriff's department themselves. Hmm. Of those five, three are associated with deputy gangs. And there is one candidate that is uh, outside the department. She is a former Long Beach Police School Resources Officer and Parole 
employee. She also ran for board of supervisors in 2014 for District 1. And the other guy, uh, the sixth candidate, I really can't find anything out about him. So I don't really have too much to say sure. on him. And is she is, is anybody like going strong on the reform, like taking no. taking your reporting seriously? <laughs> no. no. Okay. So how do they even differentiate at this point, like in terms of what their appeal would be to an electorate potentially is like when when I'm reading their platforms online, uh, to be honest with you, it's it's they're really not that different from each other. It's a lot right. of political buzzwords. But as far as like policies go. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's not really a lot. No. Someone's like, I'm the one for more money for drones. And someone's like, I'm the one for more money for armored vehicles. <laughs> and that's where we differ in how we want to spend our increased budgets. And it looks like mustaches might be another thing that may be differentiating. Right. I'm the one with a mustache. We, well, yes. I Well, Villanueva is the only one without a mustache. Yeah. Right. So... Little right. controversial. <laughs> Are you even a sheriff, sir? You don't have a push broom mustache like uh, our boy Cecil Rambo here, or even Eli Vera. Mm -hmm. What is something you think is overrated, Cerise? Gosh, I think the Loki show is overrated. The whole Marvel universe, I think, is overrated. <laughs> I have not seen it. I've. Uh... <laughs> I, 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 I will, uh, I don't know. I mean, do, do, were you a big Marvel Universe fan and then you watched it? No, no. I, uh, I got into the Marvel Universe in lockdown. We got Disney Plus and we've been watching Loki and people are always talking about it. And I don't know. I just don't get it. Like, I'm not <laughs> into it at all. People are so into these movies and this television show. And I just, I really don't get it. Did I, you watch WandaVision? You know, I started it, didn't finish it. Mm. Same reason. I just didn't get the appeal. It's just not something that I, I just don't understand. Do you yeah. like it? I No, I, I famously have not watched any of them because I'm like a just a, like a completionist. And, and I've said this before on the show, like the tick at which these films came out was too much for me to keep up with. And so I was just like, no, nah, I'm not, I can't do this. This is too many films to like understand the other films. So a lot of listeners have been like, just watch these six in this no. order and it'll make sense. And I'm like, it's just a huge time investment. And it's too I, much. I, it's, just, it's a little bit hard for me, but yeah, it, I get it. People, you know, they're, they're really caught up in the MCU. I'm I like, feel like they just be baking them up as they go along too. Like, <laughs> right. <I> yeah. <laughs> it's like y'all right. have 12 movies, like two TV shows I gotta watch to make it all make sense. Like right. yeah. why? Like, oh man, wait till the new show, Thanos' sandal. Oh my god, wait till you see the storylines about that, just this footwear. It's like, are we we're, we got all kinds of threads that were going down, but yeah. I like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I thought that was cool. Have you seen that one? Right. I, I like that. I haven't seen that. So that one, that I, really I feel like I'm hearing a lot from the Loki reactions about like the multiverse and the idea that like all the Marvel different movies are part of like some multiverse that's going to intersect and like that. That movie interacts with that in an interesting way. I'm starting to get excited about the Marvel Cinematic Universe just from for my three year old because he's like 
now real into like all these characters, even though he's like never all he's seen is like pictures of them. And so I'm just like imagining when he can like finally watch the movies, like how much it's going to make his brain melt and leak out of his ears. <laughs> yeah, or he's going to be jumping off shit. Yeah, Maybe he's a super because that. Oh, he already does me that. watching. Yeah. yeah, me watching like a few superhero things. I had a bad habit of jumping off of shit thinking I wouldn't get hurt like when I was four. But I would try and put enough couch cushions below me to not shatter my ankles completely. Like so the, you know, the the versions that we had, like when I was a kid and into superheroes were like a Hulk TV show and uh, <laughs> and Batman, the 60s TV show. And like I was right. just I was into it. That was good enough for me. Greatest American hero, which was like a joke. But I, I took it seriously. What is uh, something you think is underrated? Mm-hmm. Police violence, man. Police violence is hella underrated. Just now, while I'm talking to you, um, I see that the Los Angeles Police Department has potentially killed someone. They've just shot someone down the street from my house, and I'm watching the police cars go and the helicopters overhead filming this. Jesus. And yeah, really harsh in my vibe. But yeah, police <laughs> violence is really underrated. Like, this is horrible. Someone. Like, I can't believe that just happened just now. Jeez. Jesus. Just outside your window? Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Oh, it's okay. Uh, th- th- and, like, that all just transpired in, like, the last couple minutes? Yeah. While we were asking you about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh-huh. Damn. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that would be properly uh, underrated, uh, <laughs> considering the the harsh reality that's out there. You know, as you navigate this whole sort of ecosystem of, you know, police gangs and like sort of the mechanisms that are set up to like obscure their involvement or activity. What do you think, you know, what's the perspective? I'm sure like when you go to these sort of junkets or press conferences, when you're like next to maybe like people from like Fox 11 or like KTLA or the local news, do they do you think they have a semblance or understanding of what's at stake? Or do you think sometimes they're sort of as part of the media apparatus willing to turn a blind eye to sort of keep the relationships going uh, for the sake of like their reporting. Oh, yeah, I know that's what they're doing. You know, in my experience, the average, you know, television reporter doesn't have a clue about what's going on in the city and the realities that people are facing. Right. And yeah, I mean, that is the thing. There are a lot of stories that most mainstream outlets won't do because they don't want to damage their access to different agencies, whether that be law enforcement, a city council member, the mayor. There are a lot of questions that they just won't ask or stories that they won't do because it's going to rock the boat. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that I published my series at Knock because this this wasn't a story that a lot of with more name recognition. Um, they mm-hmm. just weren't interested in doing something like this. Yeah. And like the sort of the I guess the way that the, the relationship there works is what that they'll the police will give them sort of tidbits of information that they can then run with stories Not even or that. Like um, the police don't really they don't really give they give the information that they want to give. It's just right. about will you be will you be invited to the press conference? Will you be called on in question and answers? Are you going to get a call back on your story? Are they going to do the bare minimum? Really? Right. right. 
Right. And then it, for then in exchange, they'll just be like, and we'll obscure your crimes and correct. act obtuse about everything. So right. it's not even really it's not even like an understandable transaction. We're like, well, then they did scoop on. They got a scoop on this thing. It's just more like we won't call on you and that's it. And that's enough for them to. Because, right. I mean, when you're at these things, are you as someone who has completely gone against the grain in terms of how more mainstream reporting about this stuff has been? Are you finding it that you'll never get called on, that you have to sort of aggressively find your opportunities to to ask a question? Or how does that work for you in terms of navigating this environment? Well, the last press conference that I attended in person, I was almost arrested. I was detained for 15 minutes by a group of three sheriff's deputies um, Mm. who refused to let me back into the press conference until another member of the scrum who I had been standing with, a white guy, vouched for me. And then they were willing to listen to what I was saying. So I I don't attend in person anymore. When I do have to go into the field to work, I have to bring a bodyguard now, which mm. is really weird because I'm a reporter. Jesus. I don't think I should have a bodyguard, but that's just sort of the reality of it. It's not that I'm not allowed to ask questions. It's that I'm physically prevented and potentially even, you know, facing criminal prosecution for trying to do my job. Mm. And what would they allege you're doing that's criminal, essentially? The person that was also detained and later arrested was told he was trespassing. But again, this is a, a press conference in a public building where I had RSVP'd and was in contact with the organizers. So it Oh, so just I, using it doesn't some make flimsy yeah. allegation to then sort of justify right. detainment, but then later it won't be an arrest because that's just sort of how they'll not go fully afoul of the law or right. whatever the law is. Right. Yeah. I mean, and they yeah, it it just seems like I don't know, even when we were talking about the local local news, like ju- just having to interact with them on a regular basis, you know, because they're like anytime they show up to a crime scene, they're going to interact with probably the same like handful of police like every once in a while. And those are people who are legally allowed to shoot you <laughs> like that's They like that based on your reporting, like that's. All they need is the flimsiest like explanation for for what went down. And like it's just it's a very terrifying situation to be in to like try and talk about the police openly in in Los Angeles or really in any community with a militarized and like very, you know, emboldened police police force. Yeah. Shit. Well, amazing what you're doing and the bravery it takes and couldn't be more thankful for we do it for this community and I think just the country in general, because this is not just L.A., obviously. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about LASD gangs. And we're back. So the last time... You were on, we kind of, I think it was the day that your series of reports published A Tradition of Violence, but, you know, we we were talking right before we started recording about this most recent sort of use of doublespeak where Alex Villanueva is now saying that there there are cliques 
but not gangs? Like, what is is that a concerted effort? Like, how how they're talking about this? Like, how how are they like just dealing with the fact that their behavior has been so overt and out in the open, and now somebody's just kind of laying it out for people to see? Well, they don't really acknowledge my reporting by name, but what they do say is that people are selling the notion of gangs to make a name for themselves or push an agenda. Villanueva has said both that he is the first person to do anything about deputy gangs, and yet deputy gangs don't exist, and yet they exist in every police department and that they're nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. So in short, a bunch of uh, nonsense. Yeah. Right. And is that like in for some way to sort of acknowledge like, OK, we can't we can't say no, that it's all nonsense because it is there's real reporting about it. So the way they sort of navigate that is just to try and like redefine or recontextualize like what even a gang is like. They're just friends at the station that have a hand symbol and iconography like a gang. But it's just the loose cohort of organized armed men who like i saw like a picture that you posted about a patch that was being sold that said like our gang is bigger than yours or something mm-hmm. like that and and, I, and i've also seen in like some of the in, in a lot of your uh posts on social media and things like where you'll you've interacted with somebody who's clearly wearing like a pin that is showing that they're affiliated in that in those semblance and like in those instances is that what Villanueva is trying to say is like yeah that's just like a click of right People. Yeah, it's just a symbol. It's just a fun thing for our deputies. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Yeah. Has has that like forced, has that created more activity like with these clicks? Or do you think on some way the sort of spotlight that is being put on them through the History of Violence series is like maybe uh, are they being less over, maybe more covert or it's it, no, just no effect no. at all? They they don't give a fuck. Can I say yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a tradi- tradition of violence, not history of violence. Sorry. Yeah. They, yeah, I mean, they truly don't give a fuck what I report on. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. And I mean, they're, I believe their belief is that no one is going to stop them. I mean, Villanueva has defied subpoena after subpoena. He's gone after the county CEO. He's gone after the board of supervisors twice now saying that they need to be uh, beaten. He said very explicitly that the Board of Supervisors needs to be taken to a shed and beaten until they do their job as he sees fit. He's gone after me. He's gone after journalists by name at the Los Angeles Times. And he does all of this. He he invaded the Venice boardwalk, which is not his jurisdiction. He yeah. does all of this and no one stops him. There is no one that is saying you cannot do this and here are the consequences. That hasn't happened yet. So he's been able to transform himself into probably the most powerful political person in Los Angeles County just by the virtue of the fact that the powers that do exist to check him have not taken any action. Mm, right. And the, and the, isn't the board of supervisors are, are all women, right? Correct. Hmm. Really tough guy attitude. So he's <laughs> saying a group of five women need to be taken behind a shed and beaten until they do their job. And that's the 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 sheriff right and 
And uh, he, like, and I'll just say, all the people that he's gone after in these press conferences are are women. The reporters mm. at the LA Times that he's talking about, they're women. I am a woman. The board of supervisors are women. Like he's advocated for violence against women again and again and again. The county, the county CEO, a woman, and you know, no one. There are no consequences to that. And I know recently, too, like the county Democrats were calling for him to resign. I mean, outside of them just sort of saying, like, that's what we wish. Is there anything sort of beyond that that could have any sort of material effect or it's just sort of more of a show of sort of where they how they view how he's handling his position? It's it's largely a gesture, but it also implies that they will not be giving him the endorsement in 2022. It's believed that Villanueva was able to um, be victorious in the prior election because he did have the cosign of the Democrats of Los Angeles County, as well as a number of local Democratic clubs. He did a lot of campaigning with them, spoke at a lot of their meetings, and a lot of people have said that it was that action that convinced them to vote for him. And I think without um, that wind in his sails this go around, his numbers in the polls are going to be significantly down. How many people vote in like it? I guess 2022 is not necessarily a, an off year election, but is it like ha- how popular an election is that? Is that one where like just by getting a handful of like, you know, his supporters out, he can win? Or, or do you, are you thinking that this is actually going to I mean, I guess the the first question which we already talked about is like, what are the alternatives? But, you know, having somebody, I guess, with entrenched power is probably not a good thing. How important do you think it is to like have him defeated and out of office? Well, I, I think that he has shown time and time again that he is not willing to comply with the law. Right. And yeah, I mean, I... Personally speaking, I mean, I I won't be voting for Villanueva. Right. Yeah. Is, is there? I mean, and I know how you said like the for the people who have the ability to sort of check his power that they're not. I mean, what in a obviously based on your understanding of the situation and the dynamics at play, like what should be happening if, for example, like just to give the people of L.A. County the imagination on what what could be done or should be done, um, what would you say those things are? Well, I mean, the Board of Supervisors has an incredible amount of power here in Los Angeles County. Um, their nickname is actually the Five Queens mm. because, you know, it's really the county functions because of them and mm-hmm. the, the work that they do. They hold an incredible, incredible amount of power in this county. And I think, you know, it would be very easy to open an investigation into just the just the cases that are on a list that the Board of Supervisors itself actually keeps. That was the foundation of my series. You know, they keep that list. You know, it would be very easy to open an investigation into the deputies that are on that list. And, to, and into the gangs. That would be mm. a great first step, I think. That hasn't been done yet. And, and like, sort of the thing that prevents that is, I'd imagine, some level of fear or intimidation that is coming from law enforcement or that the feeling that they wouldn't be protected or, or you know, I mean, like, what, what is sort of, for them, 
the what makes that a situation they don't want to enter, aside from obviously rocking the boat, because I think most people don't would rather just keep the status quo, at least for people who are holding very high office these days in this country. But is that sort of the main force that's keep preventing those kinds of investigations happening? You know, I couldn't tell you. I think that that could be part of it. Several several members of the Board of Supervisors have sat on the board for a number of years before this, and none of this stuff was done. So, yeah, I mean, I think it could be complacency to a certain extent. And, you know, gosh, I think government just moves like incredibly slowly, like most mm-hmm. of the time. Right. Which is which is unfortunate because it, it doesn't really have to. Right. Right. Yeah. So then, yeah, we need to be looking at people who are. Yeah, willing to actually challenge the status quo and do that in a way that is like in pursuit of what's actually justice rather than maintaining office for as many years as possible. Right. Yeah, it feels like it's the same pattern at every level uh, when it comes to how like a lot of legislators think. And for people who haven't read the series or didn't listen to our first episode where we kind of covered just sort of a summary of what the gangs are like. So just, you know, Villanueva called them cliques. So you know how, like, you and your pals in high school or, like, the mean girls in your high school all got matching skeleton tattoos with Nazi helmets when, <laughs> you know, you remember that? Like how, and it, because you, you yeah, earned them after killing a civilian. Yeah, when you, when you got your uh, three right. dots on your hand and your spider web elbow. Right, right. So that's, that's the sort of cliques that we're, we're talking about here. That where they reward people with better hours for killing a civilian. Yeah. Cerise, was there anything else just sort of updating or anything else you want to sort of put on everyone's radar of things just to be aware of or to, to be mindful of? I would just say that everyone, you know, whether or not you live in Los Angeles County, the sheriff's department race is, you know, incredibly relevant. Uh, Los Angeles County is the largest sheriff's department in the United States. And um, like other things we do here in Los Angeles, our, our policies that come down largely um, inform and dictate policies that could be popping up in your backyard if you don't live here. So I encourage everyone to, you know, um, keep up with the race and what's going on. Um, educate yourself about the candidates. I myself am working on stories about all of the candidates and gathering information on them for people. So, yeah, uh, just stay tuned and please stay informed and get out and vote when it's time. Yeah. Just go go follow Cerise at, at Cerise Castle, C-E-R-I-S-E-C-A-S-T-L-E on Twitter and follow all her reporting. It's important. It's fucking fascinating and horrifying uh, all at the same time. All right. Let's talk about Haiti. So the Pentagon has revealed that some of the murder squad, uh, I think the quote was a small number of of the assassins uh, that killed the Haitian president and attempted to kill his wife in their home, were previously trained by the U.S. military. And Hmm. this is not surprising. It doesn't mean the U.S. was involved in, like, planning this particular assassination, but it does this particular assassination yeah, this, exactly. It does reveal. Okay, so a well, we train the people that do it. Maybe it's a it's like a long game, four D chess thing. Yeah, exactly. It does. Like I mean, this is a consequence of U.S. 
policy that the mainstream media doesn't like to acknowledge that, you know, for decades, the U.S. has been training killers in South and Central America and around the world who they think will help them destabilize a country where they need regime change or might need regime change. And yeah, just generally like contributing chaos and violence and, you know, danger into the world. Was well, yeah, a great way to fight the Cold War when communism was gaining any kind of traction in Central South America. It's like, OK, when then we need to create a a place to show people the skills of torture, interrogation, assassination. And we'll call it the School of the Americas. Doesn't that, that sound nice? <laughs> yeah. And everyone can come to this school and we'll show you how to do all the nasty things that we've been perfecting over the last couple of decades. And then again, we talked about it previously in another episode, uh, but they eventually had to change their name to the Western Hemisphere Institute of Security Cooperation because this, they need a bit of a rebrand because everyone's like, isn't that the place where y'all train assassins and like hit squads? And, you know, when we talked, we talked about this and how it relates to, you know, immigration and then the flow of people from places like Belize or um, Honduras or Guatemala, El Salvador. And you, you can draw lines to people who went alumni of the School of the Americas and the destabilization that that's caused in the region and why people have to flee these countries. But now it's just the Institute for Security Cooperation. So nothing to see. Yeah. And I mean, this is most of the major wars of the past 20 years have been at least partially fought on both sides by like privately trained and organized groups who kill people for a living. Like and the fact that that's out there, these like private armies that are just available to work for the highest bidder. It just creates, it, you know, it, it suggests a future where the rich not only are able to decide if they want to leave the planet, but also, you know, can create their own political realities just based on how much money they have and if they're willing to hire the best Chechens to knock over whatever political system that they want to knock over. and. I don't know. It's a, it just feels like it's a a very bleak future where like the the article about this specifically says like and there's nothing illegal about it. So it's like well maybe maybe there should be guys. Maybe <laughs> the, the maybe that's the a almighty law we refrain. Take a look at. We love that refrain in this country. Well, it's not illegal. We love it. Well, show we? me the law. It's like well yeah, it was set up so you could say this. You fucking creep. That's why we're, <laughs> we need to address it. I don't know. I'm not dodging my taxes. This is the way the taxes are set. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, right. We get that. But objectively, this is fucked and we have to change it. Wait, so like it's not what is the law that they're not breaking exactly? Like you can't hire a bunch of organized armed people to have a. Yeah, I mean, they direction, you know, the most important thing is corporations and the rights of corporations. Uh, And so, you know, a corporation has to be able to hire you know, retired Colombian commandos who and retirement age is like 40 there. So they're, you know, able to just create corporations where the explicit function or at least implicit function is to have trained killers who can do your will. 
Right, right. Okay, we're talking about, yeah, just creating a mercenary company. Yeah. Mercenary yeah. LLC. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah. That's fine. Just don't have matching tattoos and <laughs> right. don't live below the poverty line. That's when it ventures into illegal territory. If you're right, making exactly. under a certain amount of money, that's when it becomes illegal. Right. Right. Quick, uh, quick Rorschach test. What do you see here? Do you see uh, an impoverished worker being exploited by a capitalist class, or do you see uh, fun guys in army suits doing cool stuff against our enemies? It's like if if you're fighting for the corporation, then it's okay. But again, it seems like with this one, especially like in this instance, this there was like there's a lot of connection to people in the United States, though, aren't there? Like, wasn't there someone who was bankrolling that who was yeah. Coming from the, the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doctor mm-hmm. from who's... Uh, uh, yeah, a doctor in Florida, of course. There's always the Florida connection. Always a Florida right. doctor. But <laughs> I, they think that he may, be, may have been the sort of providing the plan and the impetus in the first place. Like his plan was he was going to insert himself as the president of Haiti if, if his plan had succeeded. And now he, he's currently in custody. But I just like going back to just the broader implications of this sort of thing, like we just had the January 6th insurrection that was, you know, based on like who decided to organize in a Facebook group based on like sort of, you know, half-hearted like wink nudge commands from the president who was still like being monitored. But like imagine like if he had hired trained like chechens and colombian mercenaries to do that like what like we would be in a whole lot of trouble um but instead it was just law enforcement and active military who were right undercover there <laughs> right to couldn't get i wonder if that was like a bad look for them and like a mercenary groups like and you see what happens when you hire local <laughs> you see what happens yeah. that's why you want to go with us we don't give a fuck we don't give a fuck honestly these people yeah. they're they were all did you see them they were all they thought they were on a field trip when they got in there we right. get right down to it you want to you want to overturn an election that's one of our you know that's the first bullet point in our in our deck here i mean there's a um, new uh quote like in the you know steady stream of people who were around Trump during the insurrection, like the trickle of reporting that's coming out where he was like talking about which military leaders like he thinks would be good at a coup and which wouldn't be good at a coup. Like that's yeah, that we were we were very close, like just a small amount of shamelessness and competence away from that being an ongoing crisis. When you say uh, which military, like within our military? Yes. Would be good? Yeah. So like some weird like fascist slumber party game? If I was going to do a coup, this is a direct quote. If I was going to do a coup, one of the last people I would want to do it with is General Mark Milley. Yeah. He added that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs had no courage or skill. Certainly not the type of person I would be talking coup with. Right. And that's that's the same Mark Milley who we're now hearing. He was saying like, yeah, I'm telling everyone this guy's acting like Hitler. Yes. Yeah. It was very like out there. It seems like this is also part of him trying to just sort of get the narrative back about him, too, because he was <laughs> serving for Trump. He's like, yeah, but here's the thing. I called him Hitler and I and I knew the coup could have happened and I was going to fucking stop that. So. Can yeah. We, can we can we be nice? Can I get a book deal now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
And we're back. And the privatization of like kind of security forces on a, on a very small scale is being delivered to Americans via a new ring product. Mm. Yeah. Drones, baby. Yeah. They I don't know why this would make anyone feel fucking good about anything. But like, you know, ring and that entire home security industry like is built on like scaring the fuck out of people and getting them to buy into their version of reality where like every neighborhood in America is filled with dangerous people and like the only way to protect yourself is to like have constant surveillance and apps where people can like talk shit about their neighbors and <laughs> and you know and and get off some of the most racist takes you've ever seen and, you know, like we talked about how like when Ring was bought by Amazon, then they were putting out ads for like looking for crime reporters to help like create content for their ads again to keep this sort of cruel and unusual world narrative going for all their users. And as if having a fuck ton of hackable cameras wasn't enough to make you feel safe, Ring has announced this new product, which is called the Ring Always Home Cam. It's a fucking <laughs> drone. That will fly around your house so you can check all the nooks and crannies when you're out of the house. So I'll just read it like it looks so like it like looks like Wally's friend. It's made to look so non-aggressive, but it's a miniature quadcopter with a camera on it. And they say the Ring Always Home Cam is a drone camera that you can program to follow preset flight paths throughout your home. Yeah, you'll get the most out of it when paired with a Ring Alarm subscription, since the drone is automatically triggered to lift from its base to fly preset paths. In the ad for it, it was basically some person leaving their house and like setting their alarm. But then a guy with a ski mask decided to open a window and the alarm went off. And then the drone's like, Wee! like going to check. <laughs> and this guy's checking his phone and it looks like this like steady cam shot going through your house. And it arrives to the point of entry where this guy with the ski mask is in and the guy sees it and he's like, oh, no, I didn't know it was a little quadcopter. I'm going to go. You know what? Crime over and yeah. like leaves. And, and then it follows him home and he decides to change his life and go to college. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly, become right? an engineer for Ring. Um, right. One hundred percent. And I, it's weird that like, again, as if there if we don't have enough ways for you to put cameras in your own home like i guess they're trying to be like stationary cameras are for victims <laughs> but like for those of us that embrace the surveillance state you can now invite it directly into your home and the potential for bad shit with this just seems infinite like the idea that now you're gonna deploy security drones within your home is just like such a nightmare such a situation for me but i just want to also point out that you know Amazon and the police are using ring cameras to basically privately crowdfund their own surveillance networks. I and mean, it's a little I think not many people are aware of this. All but two states, uh, Montana and Wyoming. Uh, this is from uh, The Verge, quote, now have police or fire departments participating in Amazon's ring network, which lets law enforcement ask users for footage from their ring security cameras to assist with investigations. And they say now. Figures from Ring show more than 1,189 departments joined the program in 2020 for a total of over 2,000. And they're saying that even if you're a person who, if the police say, hey, we'd like to obtain some of the footage from your Ring camera, some people who own the cameras don't even have the ability to say no. Right. They're just like, Amazon will just go around them and be like, yeah, okay, here it is. 
So this is just a very, there's like so many layers to this that it just like, there gets spooky and spookier and spookier when you look at it. What are the cops doing or not doing rather that they need like entire <laughs> cities to be on ring camera, right? Like right, this right. really, I mean, this is, this is all the ads that the defund the police movement really needs, right? Like people still need to depend on like fucking cameras flying drone? around every inch of their home and that still maybe doesn't even prevent the crime like what the hell do we have the cops for right like, and then, it's all, then we go step further like and then the ring camera gets super woke it's like but what is crime is it a <laughs> is it a symptom of a yeah. of a society where there's no social safety net and people are driven to such desperation that their only financial recourse are to commit property crimes hi i'm jeff bezos <laughs> and blah blah but it's like <laughs> wh- like i don't know where they I, yeah, th- I feel like the simple question is, wait, what What about police? <laughs> if I need super drone to shoo away a, a suspected burglary, a burglar from my home. Mm. Right. Where are the cops? Watching my ring footage, I guess. Exactly. Like, what? <laughs> but the cool stuff when it's aimed at someone's backyard and they got a pool. It's like, OK, that's Uh-oh. not you're not enforcing anything. Have you have you seen any of like the. YouTube videos of people putting guns on quadcopters because that's happening. Uh, I saw, I mean, I, I saw Terminator 2, Judgment Day. So, <laughs> right. It's I've, basically, I have an idea of what that's like. Yeah. But you're saying people are now, I mean, just like home, homespun, homespun killer drones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean that 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 goes along with that like Lego Glock set that just came out. I right. People are like, they're like, whoa, it's just, it's it's just, just a cool, gun that they glued Legos on to, like, make the gun more appealing like to children. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But can end a life. And because that's because we're, we're talking aesthetics. here. But I mean, when you think about, like, one of the big arguments for gun ownership in America is, like, the fantasy of, like, that <laughs> that iconic figure of guy in ski mask breaking into a house and getting to shoot someone with impunity. And like, I can just imagine like, uh, it doesn't feel like it's much of a, much of a leap to a world where this thing rises out of the ground with a fucking handgun attached to it. Right. So, and again, inherently like anything on that's internet connected could be hackable. Right. So who knows what other eventual applications they have. I don't know if anyone Again, I don't know who this is for, but this seems like a very specific person who's consumed a lot of, you know, Facebook posts and like neighbor app posts to be like, yeah, 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 I need this. I need this. <laughs> Only way to feel safe is drone. <laughs> Just, that, yeah. They make, look, they make this shit look cute as hell in the commercial. I know. Like it's not some, it's not, you know, indicating what our bleak future looks like. <laughs> it really was meant to look like a, a fun thing that would make someone reconsider committing a crime because it, it saw you. Well, let's talk about some good news in this crazy mixed up world. A corporation bringing two groups together <laughs> after at long last, you know, this has been years of these groups butting heads and Heinz is is here to bring the hot dog people and the hot dog bun people together. It's a I think it's a Seinfeld joke, maybe, about like how, you know, hot dogs come in 10 packs, hot dog buns come in eight. What's the deal with that? Yeah. And that 
that Heinz is trying to broker a peace here, broker a, a an accord between the two. Um, but don't they own the fucking? Aren't they all owned by the same like three companies anyway? <laughs> like, you know I mean? like, <laughs> yeah, uh, General Foods, Kraft, or whatever they fucking own the bread and the hot dog people. Is it really reaching across the aisle, or or I guess in this romantic version, it is. Yeah, I, the the I'm pretty sure they are all owned by like one of two <laughs> companies. So the reason that they're set that they have different counts is. Hot dogs used to be a thing that was sold by butchers, and butchers tend to go with, like, the 10-pack for all things because that's just, like, what makes sense, like, what's the easiest to count. and But then bakers go with eights because bakers, I don't know, they don't don't play by your rules, asshole. What about the baker's dozen? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but but that's not an even 10, like... Bakers are loose cannons when it comes to numbers. They'll just they'll throw thirteen rolls at you. They don't give a fuck, you know. Uh, they're like <laughs> our dozen is entire... different than your dozen. Fuck the meat bread balance. Here's <laughs> another loaf. Go. Yeah. But is it because maybe because mo- eight because it's divisible by four and twelve is their god. The dozen is the the god of the of the baker. Yeah. So it's basically. I think the the reason the dozen is the god of the baker is the reason that they have the eight, which is that they have trays, like baking trays, that are, like, built in fours. So you always mm-hmm. have, like, like uh, multiples of four for all baking products. Now who's huh. making the tins? Exactly. exactly. So that's what, Heinz out is, further. that's what Heinz needs to be thinking about right here. <laughs> so are they going to... Is this like a real thing? Is this like a marketing thing? It's or just a marketing they... thing. They're just trying to... They had oh, a bad... Damn it, Jack. I was hoping for substantive change. They had a bad 2019 because they, had, and they were like embroiled in an accounting scandal that I know we all followed closely. Uh, their CEO had to resign in 2019. Uh, profits were already falling before the catch-up shortage during the pandemic. So they're like, uh, we're back. It's not really like a growth product. It's not like people are f- still finding out about ketchup. So I don't know. Uh... Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, did you hear what they did? Who is this Heinze <laughs> company? Wow. What? Um, That's the oh, they make the red stuff. Yeah. Oh, so it's the so they're acting as so the the condiment maker is acting as the intermediary the neutral third party to create this accord. Yes. I see, I see, I see, I see. That's why I buy Nathan's. They come in eight, and the buns come in eight. Right, but they match up. Yeah, because I have a terrible. I have a terrible. I hate when you got extra. I just can't handle that shit. It really bugs me. Again, along with me being a completionist and not watching a lot of the MCU films, I don't like getting a ten pack of buns when I only have eight francs. Just, Therese, did you watch all the Lokis? No. No. Okay. Any any thoughts like on Owen Wilson? On? Well, that that I think towards the end is when they like revealed the large MCU like crossover possibility. I only know about this because Toby Maguire was trending, and my uh, Google alert that tells me every time Toby Maguire is trending uh, <laughs> hit me up. And wait, not Toby Maguire. What? Who did Toby Maguire play Spider Man back in the At day? At one point, yeah, yeah. yeah. So people are like, finally, Tobey Maguire is going to like enter into the MCU. Our dreams are answered. I don't know. People, people are weird. Tobey Maguire stands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Maguire. Us Maguire stands. And uh, 
yeah, that that so his name was trending, which always intrigues me, and uh, that that was the reason because like they opened the possibility of like all the different Marvel movies being connected and like some great crossover event, uh, mm. which I think excites. So it's really just a scheme to remake the remakes and remake those. Right. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. I think you mispronounced art. It's art. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> is like so funny that like, what is, and do they even need that? Is it really going to be like elevate everything? And then it all crossed. No, over the Spider-Verse did like, it. Like they covered the idea of a multiverse and like everything that's interesting about that. And like the idea that all the different comics and like drawn in different styles are just like coming from different parts of the multiverse. Like I this, the only thing this adds is like see, being like, whoa, it's the actor from that one. True. Isn't that interesting to me? Well, if, if you if you like a bunch of loose associated and affiliated acts coming together, you're going to love the Wu-Tang discography <laughs> uh, because they got everything. And if you want to go outside, you can get to Brooklyn Zoo. The Killer Bees, uh, you know, <laughs> Capadonna, Sons of Man. I mean, there's so many ways the uh, Wu-Tang uh, cinematic universe. Are there any Capadonna stands? Are there any people out there who are like, more Capadonna, please? I don't know if there are. Let us know. Because yeah, like, you're a very, very unique yes. uh, consumer of hip hop. Mm. Well, Cerise, it's been such a pleasure having you uh, on TDZ again. Where can people find you and follow you one more time? Yeah, you can find me online at Cerise Castle. And if you're so able, I'd love if you could head over to the Knock LA Patreon. While I do very much consider this my job and my purpose, I don't get paid for it. Oh, my God. Sad. Um, and I also have to pay for all the public records requests that I make myself. So if you can help me foot that bill for justice, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Go do Is it. there a link to that on your uh, socials? There is. Yes. Okay, cool. And we'll make sure we will uh, link to that in the footnotes as footnotes? well. Footnotes? Uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Four foes I'm gripping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's that? If, what do, how do people look? What Cerise is referencing is a video where someone is asking somebody uh, just a very simple question. How do you get out the hood? And it's two black people talking. And then these people start arguing over a mic and like this like seven foot white guy in a polo shirt enters the frame. And the question is posed to him, in which case he ad rightfully admits, I wouldn't know how to answer the question because I did not grow up in the hood, but I'm down to go there and then start spitting a uh, still tipping by Mike Jones <laughs> with so much gusto and energy. It's it, 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 it made me believe again. Mm. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the other show, 420 Day Fiance, where we talk about 90 Day Fiance, you know, just to keep it light. Uh, a couple tweets that I like. First one is uh, someone named at Slicky Williams said, Snow Allegra is our Sade. And then <laughs> at Art by Venus quote tweeted that and said, Sade is our Sade. Yeah. And that's 100% nailed on facts. Don't bring other people into this. There's only one Sade. And we... We salute her. Another one is Eric Blank at underscore Eric Blank just has a picture of this sign that's posted outside of a restaurant in New York. It says, quote, it's like a, just like one of those just 
printed things on a window in a restaurant says, we need chef, dishwasher, busboy. Come inside and only ask for Chris always after two. I have never insulted anyone. You should know me. Just please notice who is talking bad about me. And Eric Blank tweets, perhaps not the most effective help wanted sign. Uh, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> so deep into that conversation in his own head. I have never insulted anyone. You should know me. Just please notice who is talking bad about me. Okay. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Chris, 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 Chris. Chris. Uh, tweet I've been enjoying. Brody Gupta tweeted, don't call me honey and expect it to soften the fact that you shrunk the kids. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song are we suggesting people go check out? We uh, have the just... (laughs) wonderful honor of having many talented people on this show past guest illingsworth from detroit michigan a really talented musician and producer co-produced this track that just came out with idk featuring mf doom west side gun and j electronica the track is called red and it's fantastic it's it's wonderful even if you don't like uh hip-hop i implore you to, to check it out because the the sampling on it is really cool and the beat is very very forward thinking not not just your usual boom bap type of hip hop um, and it's a really dope track and congrats to Illing's work yeah. for contributing to our sonic landscape with some really fire material so this is IDK with MF Doom Westside Gun J Electronica and it's called Red co-produced by Illing's work all right, well, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And hey, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.